Sciences Po. If you are a child and you are malnourished today, your life is determined in that moment. You won't be able to have a healthy life and get your full potential afterwards. What Keeps You Up at Night is a podcast produced by the Sciences Po Journalism School and the Paris School of International Affairs. Here, we bring you personal stories from political leaders around the world. How do they balance their responsibilities? How do they deal with their doubts? And how do they manage their priorities? With those questions in mind, we want to dive into the hopes and dilemmas that come with being in charge. I'm Michal Kubala. And I'm Morgan Annex. And this is What Keeps You Up at Night. Rebecca Greenspan, you're the Secretary General of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, the body that supports developing countries get a better access to the global market. Before, you took on various functions within the United Nations. You were also the head of the Ibero-American General Secretariat from 2014 to 2021. Besides, you were active in national politics in your home country, Costa Rica, you were the second vice president and held a number of ministerial positions. You are vocal about gender equality, advocate for an inclusive society, and denounce asymmetries between developed and developing countries. Today, we will talk about how you personally approach the challenges that come with your position. Welcome to our studios at Sciences Po Journalism School. Thank you very much. Very happy and honored to be here. Rebecca Greenspan, what does the nighttime mean to you? Do you have a special relation to it? Is it a time where you rest, where you work? Actually, I work a lot at night. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a night person, not a morning person. It has never been difficult for me to wake up and go to work. It gives me passion. It gives me sense of life. So I think that that's so important. You pass so many hours at work, yes? And so many people don't like what they do, and they have to. I love what I do. Most of the time, it's not that there are not hard times, but most of the time I am, I am really happy doing what I do. The night is different. It's not in the office. It has a special beauty. The day is like running and running. It's hectic. Is one meeting after the other? Is one paper you have to see after the other? Is a series of decisions during the whole day. Night can be very intense because, as I say many times, I continue <laughs> through the night working, but, but it's my time, my pace, uh, my way. It's not bound by anybody. Do you remember your last sleepless night and what the reason was for it. When the UN have struck this deal with Ukraine and Russia to get a global food and fertilizers to global markets. And it's very important, Ukraine and Russia in the production of cereals, especially oils and fertilizers. And we have been able to keep this deal going for one year. It has done a lot of good. It has saved many people from hunger, many households from not being able to make it to the end of the month. 
Uh, but we are not sure that we are going to be able to keep it running. And that keeps me restless. Where were you when you were having this insomniac feeling for the last time? Could you run through the night with us? In my house, I have an apartment that I like very much. And so this last week, especially, we have had a lot of uh, activity around these issues. I had also my board, the board of the UN Conference on Trade and Development, so it was a lot of work. It was very successful, but it required a lot from, from my team, from me. So these last days, a lot in Geneva. You've spoken before about the important decisions that you have to take. What would you say is one decision that has left a mark on you? Well, I would say in my personal life, the decision to have children, that is a mark for life, <laughs> and also to accept becoming into politics. That really changed a lot of how I expected my life to be. I thought I would be a professor and researcher at the university. And when I decided to go into government, it turned my life around. So probably that was one of the most important decisions I have taken. You decided to go into politics. Could you tell us a bit more about what pushed you to do that back then? Because you, you were trained as an economist, right? I was in the university, the chief of staff of the government, let's say. Mm -hmm. But he was a minister and he was looking for an economist. And so a friend of mine threw my name. I, I was not in politics. I was not in the party that was in government. So I went to the interview and this man was a very special man. And I told him, well, thank you very much. And he said, well, I want you to come and work with me. And I told him, well, I am not the person you are looking for. I am not in the party. I have not been in politics. He looked at me and he told me, you know, you have to start someday. Come on Monday. And I was not prepared for that, <laughs> for that answer. I couldn't think. So it's not that I thought. I went on Monday. <laughs> and I started. And that's how it happened. It was not a plan. It was not something that I had a lot of time to think about. It happened. And that was the start. What was your first night in this new position like? Horrible. He asked me for a paper on a very sensitive problem that the government was facing. And so I was up the whole night doing it. And when I gave him the paper, he told me, he read it, and he said, yeah, okay, very good. But look, you didn't put the date. You didn't put the title. <laughs> you know, one day I will see this paper and I won't know who wrote it, what it was about and when. I learned a lot. <laughs> so you've had a very long career and you were nominated to the Secretary General of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development in June 2021. Were you more prepared for this nomination this time? How did you react? I was in the Ibero-American Secretariat and uh, I was out of the UN for seven years. So it, 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 it surprised me first, but uh, I am very, very happy that I said yes. The UN is a place where I feel at home. I, it, 
goes with my values, with my commitment. And uh, the Secretary General has uh, uh, really made a, a huge difference in so many, in so many ways. You are listening to What Keeps You Up at Night with Rebecca Greenspan. Now, uh, last year happened a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Do you remember the night when that happened and how has that changed your work since? Yeah, I remember. It was very dramatic, wasn't it? We realized that the impact was not confined to the countries around and to Ukraine itself, but to the rest of the world, to the rest of the developing countries that were suffering already very much because of climate change, because of COVID. And so this was another crisis on top of it. Prices of food went skyrocketing. And we were really worried about hunger and poverty going up dramatically in many countries. Many countries were already on the brink of uh, not being able to cope. Yes, they didn't have fiscal space because after COVID, they, didn't, they spent everything they had. Those were hectic times, and the Secretary General put together the uh, Global Commission for, uh, for the impact of the war. And, and I was given the task to coordinate the the task team on energy and fertilizers. Since then, we have been working nonstop, but it has been a very rewarding work because I think that we shaped a different narrative with respect to the impacts of the war and we were able to call for action to smooth the blow on so many vulnerable people in countries. Is that... Something that keeps you up at night. Yeah, it does. Having a family, you cannot think about parents that cannot put food in the table. That's horrible. In a world that is able to feed everybody, <laughs> that there is no reason for that to happen. And uh, right now, malnutrition is going up because when you don't have enough to end the month, you turn to cheaper and less nutritious food or you are not able to have energy at home. And that has millions of consequences for the families. And you know, and that is probably one of my main challenges, that you know, and this, this is, is the most unjust thing that you can think of. You have not taken one decision in your life, <laughs> yes? And you are still destined to suffer. That is something that just makes me mad. I hear anger in you. How do you deal with that? Working more <laughs> and thinking how, how you can go about it, you know, being persistent and trying to think about also the systemic solutions. It's not only the local action, but it's also thinking systemically. What is it that has to change in the system to make these less frequent What did you hear as, as a public official in your long career that might have given you nightmares? When I, I see how decisions are taken many times based on the wrong 
assumptions that will hurt many people and we are not able to convince or to bring the evidence that will convince people or have uh, the capacity, the power or the influence to change it. And so when you are convinced that those decisions will cause harm and you feel sometimes impotent about them, that probably is the most difficult. You, you have to be self-critic with yourself, yes? And you can see uh, bad decisions that you have taken, yeah? You take the decisions with the information you have, sometimes you are wrong. And when you recognize that that is wrong, so to make it right is something that also troubles you. Yes, how sometimes it's not possible. What is one of those things you change your mind about? Well, for example, when I trusted somebody that I didn't have to trust in government, that did harm, yes, and I, I couldn't see it on time. What is the balance? You have to believe and trust people to be able to do your job. On the other hand, you trusted somebody that didn't deserve it. So how to keep going, trusting, but at the same time be more careful and understand that, you know, you don't know anybody to the full, yes? So that has troubled me many times. The second thing is uh, how not to become cynical. I have seen a lot of people in organizations that have very good values and objectives becoming cynical because they are there for the job but not for the goal, uh, to survive but not to commit. And many times when you are disillusioned, you have to think which road to take. Cynicism or continue believing that you can do something much better. I have chosen the second, but the temptation of the first is always there. How do you prevent yourself on dwelling on all these things that are happening in the world? How do you unplug from these things? Because you see a lot, I imagine. Yeah, it's true. But I have the capacity to concentrate in whatever I am doing. So if I am in a dinner, or I am in a dinner, and if I am in the office, I am in the office. And if I am worried, I am worried doing the worry thing, but I don't carry it out <laughs> when I go talking to a friend, you see? Mm -hmm. So I, I am able to separate. We've seen that you've written a book. Uh, you're also appearing in media sometimes, in editorials. How, how does that help you deal with um, the situations that you're facing? Let me say, I, I realized this late in my life. Uh, in a way, uh, sometimes you think that everybody knows everything. Yes, that, you know, when you are talking about the theme and there are experts on that subject, they know everything. So what can you really add on 
to the conversation or to the knowledge. And I realized that is not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that they, you know, even the experts and the people that is very knowledgeable doesn't think about it in the same way, doesn't look at things in the same, with the same perspective. So bringing the perspective of the developing world to the conversation that is a conversation pretty much dominated by the, the perspective of, of the North or the West. So I think that is, is a contribution. So I try to do that. What would you say gives you hope today? What, what is in your dreams? Oh, the young people. This is the most educated generation of young people the world has ever had. One of the things that have happened since the late of last century of the 20th century is the expansion of education. And uh, I really hope we, we will be able to take advantage of that. Well, thank you, Rebecca Greenspan, for sharing your insights with us. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, take care and sleep well. Mm-hmm.